Hey everyone, you're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter, and me, Courtney Fogel. Grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, on today's episode I have Dr. Tim Penning, professor here at Grand Valley. He's teaching ethics and law right now and I'm actually in his class. So since this is September Ethics Month for PRSA, I thought it'd be a great idea to talk about ethics and see where we go. So first question is what does it mean to be ethical? Wow, that's a broad question as you know from class, (laughs) but it means a lot of things, but I think it's basically a personal commitment to want to practice your profession in a way that benefits society Mm -hmm. and not just yourself or your organization. Yeah, that makes sense. I think there's kind of a variety of different ethical standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a big deal to um, have ethics as a part of a curriculum in public relations, and our program is combined advertising and PR. So this Mm -hmm. is PRSA's Ethics Month, which they do every September. But there's other information, um, studies among professionals and people who hire new professionals that they want them to have some kind of an ethical understanding. Because the world's so transparent now and the public's demanding it more. I mean, we always should have been ethical, but it's harder to um, hide from things these days. So Mm -hmm. it's just, it's good strategy to be ethical too. So let's talk about PRSA's code of ethics. What, what does that entail? Well, it's, I can give you the background. It used to be like 17 points of things you shouldn't do. And the association nationally would try to enforce it. So if there was a member who did something that violated the code of ethics, they would come down on you and maybe make a public statement. It was kind of a form of shaming you. And uh, I'm laughing because it was kind of unwieldy and hard to administer that. Was there a way that you could come back from it if you... I think you could, you know, you could do some kind of rest. If, if there was a member who had their membership revoked, usually they didn't do that immediately. They just kind of informed you, hey, this is mm-hmm. unethical behavior, and here, reminder, here's the code, and you shouldn't do that. And if a practitioner or an organization or a firm would say, yeah, that's right, we're sorry, we stepped over a line, um, we shouldn't have done that, mm-hmm. and took it humbly and graciously and didn't do it again, then that would solve the issue. But if they were persistent or belligerent and said, who are you to tell us how to run our business and kept doing it, they could have their membership revoked. But the problem was not everybody's a member of PRSA, and it was really hard and awkward to try to be the police, the ethics police. So in about 2000, 2001, they changed the code of ethics okay. to be more uh, simple and um, to inspire people to want to be ethical and mm-hmm. to frame it not as like a, a law and punishment. You have to be ethical. But hey, ethical. You, we're making the assumption that people would want to be ethical professionals and we're here to help because as we talk about in class, there's a lot of issues that are kind of a gray area. It's not obvious. Mm-hmm. So um, it's intended to be helpful. So they laid down six values that we could all agree on mm-hmm. and then they have six provisions of the code. This, and they're more categorical than real yeah. specific things. And so. so the values are just kind of the overall? <clears throat> yeah, what we all agree would make for a good professional in the field of public relations. So okay. it's advocacy, honesty, those sorts of things. Okay. 
So why is ethics important in the PR profession? I think because as in any profession and in PR, of course, we have a role to play in society that if done poorly could damage society or mm -hmm. individuals. And our role is to provide the opportunity for people to make informed decisions. Yep. And that could be as a consumer, as a voter, as a donor to a nonprofit organization, or just as a human being who's trying to understand um, things, be they <laughs> commerce or causes or issues. And it's very tempting for some PR people to cut corners or to take advantage of situations or to be not fully truthful or intentionally deceptive in order to put themselves in a positive light or their organization or to gain a competitive advantage. But it's really important that we look at our impact on society as a primary motivator for not just what we do, but how we do it. Yeah. I think once a PR professional does something that's unethical and then the public becomes aware of it, then it kind of taints the whole perception of PR. Right. And yeah, we talked about that in mm -hmm. class, right? Um, so that's the sixth va uh, provision of the Code of Ethics, enhance the profession. So if you, Courtney, do something bad, and then I, Tim, go out there and they say, oh, you're a PR person? Well, I saw what Courtney did, so that's what you do? Mm -hmm. I would say, no, not that you would ever do that, but, but I've yeah. had that in my career. I've had people say to me, oh, you're in PR, and then they would name some company or some incident that just happened and I have to say why would you assume that everybody in PR acts <laughs> that way that is a bad example yeah. that's why it made the news uh, that's an anomaly and not not the norm we hope well, so. that's also how PR is depicted on TV oh yeah and in movies mm -hmm. it's just kind of this um, this fixer type of standard that you just do what you have to do to make everything yeah. better no matter who you hurt yep scandal or yeah. um, some of those other shows in the movie you know, phone booth pr people are and that's what makes it a good drama right you mm -hmm. have these conflicted characters if, if they if they did a real movie about pr it would might be phenomenally boring it's somebody <laughs> you know going to a meeting and advising the ceo and here's what we should do and well let's be honest about this well that's not good television so yeah. It's just like if you're in medicine, people that watch Grey's Anatomy or the old ER, they cringe because they say, oh, that would never happen That's in an emergency room. And Yeah, you'd never do it that way, but it makes for good television. Mm -hmm. There's actually a professor um, at the University of Georgia who did a paper on this and looked at novels and um, other entertainment media, and someone else in California did one on movies and television. Okay. Like anything that ever mentions PR, novels from the 30s to the present, and movies, and they're all bad. They all give a bad impression of the field. It's like, so it's really hard for us to fight that when you tell your parents or your neighbors or your friends, yeah, I'm going into PR or I'm in PR. You might get this look on their face. They either say nothing to be polite or they wrinkle their nose and go, ew, you do that. Because they don't know, and all the only way they would know it is from television. Right. Unless they work in the, in the you know, for a nonprofit or a business or something, and they've had to work with a PR person. I've had that all the time in, in our class clients. Oh, I had no idea that's what PR people do. Well, yeah, that, that is what we yeah. do, a and we're of, honest. A lot of people don't even understand what the profession does. Right. At all. 
like what is public relations yeah. and it's kind of defines itself in its title yeah you would think it would be that easy <laughs> well we maintain and build mutual relationships with our publics yeah so. yeah so can you give any examples of an unethical scenario in pr well some big ones that happened um in the last you know year or two big brands like volkswagen with their emissions scandal mm -hmm. So there's an example of, uh, you know, it's, it was illegal in one sense, too, of, of not reporting accurately how their vehicle, how much carbon their vehicles were emitting mm -hmm. in order to pass some standard in Germany and other countries so that they could sell their vehicles. Um, but even if, even if they did something or modified something in a way that it would pass a government test, it's still unethical because the principle is you're saying this car doesn't pollute much, and it does. Mm -hmm. um, or you're, you're minimizing that. So the impact on society was unethical. Yeah. And then at Wells Fargo, the big bank, uh, they're still finding out more about that. But they created this goal for employees to sign up new accounts. And there was so much pressure on employees to do that that they would just make accounts in someone's name. And that customer never wanted an account. So the ethical problem there was management kind of really pushing and, and putting the success of the business over and against the interest of the consumer. And then how did their PR professionals re like respond to the, to the crisis? Well, they got some criticism for that, and I'm trying to remember. It was a little more than real recent memory, but I remember there were national ads that they put out with their um, uh, carriage and horses and, you know, trying to, their, their whole brand of being Western uh -huh. and pioneers. And, it was almost like a diversionary tactic, like how good we are. Yeah. You know, crisis theory would say they're doing ingratiation. Like, yeah, we did this bad thing, but we also do all these good things. Mm -hmm. And trying to kind of shift the focus as opposed to saying this is terrible. We're changing our policy. Right. We're not going to sign people up who don't want accounts. We're not going to operate on some arbitrary quota. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to put the customer first. So we're going to make some restitution to these people yeah. for how they suffered. So they, they handled it in my view, kind of badly, um, strategically and ethically. Did you, this just came into my mind, did you see um, Papa John's response, that video that they made after all of what happened with their CEO? Yeah. It was a video that they put on so social media, and it had different, different messages and comments from the public saying how disappointed they were, how awful it was, and it had no call to action or anything. It just was a compilation of these comments. Negative comments. Yes, negative comments. So the company comments. shared negative comments about yes. itself. And mm -hmm. then there was nothing like, we're going to change. There was nothing like that at all. It was mm -hmm. just like, we hear you. Mm -hmm. That was it. And I thought that was really interesting. That is. That is. I didn't see that myself. Yeah, I have to share it with you. It was just, I figured that at the end of it, there would be some sort of, we're sorry. Mm -hmm. And we're going to change. In a way, you think that there should have been, but there's something kind of refreshing about what they did. In discourse ethics, it's you know control mutuality, that you're allowing the public to have a voice. Mm -hmm. They they paid for that. They allowed the public to express their displeasure. They didn't minimize it. They made it public. Yeah, that's true. And um, I think that sends a subtle message that, yeah, we hear you. And it was wrong. What's interesting there, too, is the brand has to go on. 
the CEO will not. And the CEO right. was kind of fighting that, trying to. He was also a founder, wasn't he? So. Yeah. Um, he was but, John. But, yeah. Right. He was Papa. <laughs> and they have, uh, but they have a board, and that it's interesting how governance is that mm-hmm. way. So the brand continues even though it was his deal Mm -hmm. um they're separating themselves from the ceo that's what they're doing right so the strategy behind it might be what he did was wrong but we didn't all do that by the way that's uh an ethical issue too i'm kind of wrapping my head around there was you know nike was in the news again this morning somebody at the emmys wore a nike shirt and said i am wearing this to support nike for standing behind colin uh kaepernick and his efforts to point out, you know, racism and police brutality. Okay. And um, and when CEOs or companies take stands like that on social issues, they can be kind of polarizing. Um, but Nike's getting, you know, a prime ad, so to speak, quote-unquote ad during the Emmys. Yeah, that's... Um, so some people say, well, that's brilliant. And I'm saying, but there might be people, no one's in favor of police brutality, but there might be people who think, you should stand up during the national anthem. And I work at Nike, or I invested, or I have a lot of Nike clothing, and now I'm like, dang, I don't want to wear that because people are going to think I'm tied to this stance on this issue. So is there something unethical about making a statement on behalf of people who don't agree with that statement? On behalf of an entire company. Yeah. So nobody's really raising that ethical aspect. Um, Apart from what the issue is, the point is, should they take a stand on an issue that they're speaking on behalf of all of these publics that they represent and they don't agree or on the other hand maybe i'm wrong and people can determine that well that's nike's official policy but i wouldn't assume that every employee agrees with that right it's kind of like i wear a michigan state shirt because i got my doctorate there and they had that scandal Mm -hmm. you know someone could come up to me at a coffee shop and say, oh, I can't believe you're associated with Michigan State. Well, I had nothing to do with the abuse that happened. I mm-hmm. happen to have a degree there. So so brands can be tainted for single incidents, but the question is, um, is everybody there held accountable? Right. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. That kind of leads in to PR professionals acting as an ethical conscience for an entire mm. organization. Yeah. Um, how does that work, and is that something that is happening nowadays? That's been on the increase. So the paper I had you read by Marlene Neal from uh, Baylor University, I've met her at conferences and, and talked, and she's kind of a lead scholar on this whole issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's quite young, and, has, and, and some other scholars, too, have done research. And initially, she had earlier work where PR people were saying, oh, no, I don't, I don't want that responsibility. I don't want to be the ethical conscience for the whole organization. But increasingly, they're embracing that role and saying it makes sense. Um, Because some PR people say, I have enough trouble just trying to do PR ethically. But if I have to be the conscience for the whole organization, the CEO and all the other departments, um, that's challenging. But other people would say, no, that's, uh, that's, that's perfectly appropriate because what is PR? but managing all the organization public relationships, all the stakeholder groups, whether they're internal or external, whether they're financial or not. PR is about overseeing all these relationships. It is a management function, and part of that management function is speaking up in the C-suite and saying... When something's wrong. Yeah, whether it's a safety issue or an operations issue, a marketing issue or an HR issue, PR can speak to all of that 
from that ethical perspective. So I think it makes sense, and I think it's a valuable asset for any company to have. Well, I think when there is not a PR person involved in that conversation, then it kind of becomes a, a fixing after it happens. Right. And so then PR professionals look like they're just trying to cover up or issue a statement mm-hmm. about something bad that happened. When if they could have been involved in those prior conversations, then, yeah. then the maybe the PR profession wouldn't be tainted. <laughs> or if they made it public that we were going to do this, but it was our PR person who told us to go. But yeah. that never makes a quote in the New York Times no. or the Wall Street Journal. No. Uh, it, that's something that people know who are in industry and in those meetings. Or if a company does something, it's usually a PR person tells the CEO, look, you're the top person. Right. You need to get out there. And then what does the paper say? What a great CEO. What a great manager. Exactly. And they don't realize that it was they PR that made advised. that happen. Yeah. 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 But that's just, we have to take that and be humble. And, <laughs> and, be, and we have to be satisfied, not in getting credit for ourselves or our profession, but that we have successfully guided an organization to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for you're, talking with me today. You're very welcome. That was exciting. And if you edit this in any way, that would be unethical. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you can what? do whatever you want to this. <laughs> you're doing well, a great job with the podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think Ethics Month is something that everyone should pay attention to, even if you're not taking an ethics class. Mm-hmm. Just learning a little bit more about the profession and what you're going into if you're a student or what you're what you're doing if you're a professional. Right. And go to prsa.org and look for some resources they have, not just the Code of Ethics, but this month they've got some articles on their blog, PRSA or PRSAY. Okay. And um, there's, there's some interesting commentary. And it's there all year long. They emphasize it in September, but obviously it's a priority all year all long. All year long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA. And check out the show notes for this episode on GVPRSSA.com.